We need some pain hustlers for our bottoms. And after a night at the Royal Hotel, we're off to spend five nights at Freddy's. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Adam Ball, and this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Well, hello and welcome back to the show. We have got four brilliant, or I say brilliant, I don't know. You say yet, brilliant, you would be very brilliant. optimistic, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They look brilliant as far as the titles go, but obviously that's why you're here, Van, because you've seen them all, I haven't. So um, we're going to look at uh, Bottoms, Five Night at Freddy's, Pain Hustlers, all in a moment. But let's start, first of all, with The Royal Hotel. Um, and no, I really like the look of this, actually. Let, no, let's start with a hello, Mr. Paul. How you doing? How's your week been? How's things? Oh. <laughs> How very rude of me. Have you, have you taken over that. the world of children's literature yet? <laughs> Not yet, no. Because no. I know, I know Although, your, your, your book has gone on sale now, hasn't it? It did, and Amazon actually ran out, so they had to restock. Ooh! Mm, where's my uh, Where's my author signed copy? Oh, I want my author signed copy of Albert. Is it Albert the Hero? Uh, yes, Albert the Hero. I'm just waiting oh. for him to learn how to write his name, and then he's going to be signing some of them. Trust me. Oh, excellent, excellent. Okay, I look forward <laughs> to that. I, I I did a world's first myself this week. I held the world's first ever fully interactive Final Destination three screening. I saw you tweet about that, or or, or mm. Facebook. I can't remember where I saw it, or Instagram. Mm. But what does that actually mean? The interactive bit. I was. A bit uh, there is a there's a version of the movie that lets you pick how the characters die. So we did that as an uh... audience participation uh, screening. So literally every time the the film asked you like how they were going to die, we had the, the audience vote, etc., and change the outcome. And it was it was interesting. And also, you know, I got to spend a night watching a movie starring you know 2006 Mary Elizabeth Winstead and young Amanda Crew. So I couldn't have been bloody happier, sir. I promise you. <laughs> I love the sound of that. I reckon there should be more movies like that where you can choose your own choose adventure. Parts. Yeah, yeah. Because I used to have adventure books like that when I was a kid that we read at primary school, where you'd turn to page sixty four or if he yeah. got hit by a sword or whatever it was. But, yeah, they made um, Mario and Sonic ones in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I love all of that. Um, let's get down to business then and talk about yeah, sure. these yeah. movies. Yeah. So work, the, the work Roy- for a living. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. We've got to do our jobs. Now, um, yeah. I really like the look of the Royal Hotel. I, mm-hmm. I'm hoping you're not going to tell me that it's a load of rubbish because I, in I'm principle, not. it looks good. I, I'm not going to tell you that at all. I'm, not gonna t- I'm actually quite a good. fan of this. If anything... I want more of it, and that's going to be the defining takeaway from this. Because um, I actually, I, I kind of wish the film was, I wish there was more of the film. It's 91 minutes long, so it's kind of perfect, uh, perfect life. It's a new film from Kitty Green, uh, starring Julia Garner. Now, Julia Garner previously starred in Kitty Green's previous movie, The Assistant, which you and I reviewed for BBC, I think, uh, a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, here, Julia Garner is paired with Jessica Henwick, uh, from Matrix Resurrections, Iron Marvel's Iron Fist, etc. Um, and of course, most recently, Knives Out. They are a pair of American backpackers just traveling through Australia. They start to run out of money. They find themselves you know, in desperate need to earn a buck to like keep the good times rolling. So they decide to take a few weeks out, get a temp job that takes them sort of the middle of nowhere, into the middle of the desert to a small mining community where they will work in the local pub, which is owned and run by Hugo Weaving. But no sooner have they got there than they soon find that they are deeply uncomfortable and faster than you can say straw dogs, it all goes to hell. Have a clip. This is this is from this is from the trailer, but this is depicting kind of the the, the setup of it all. We're in the middle of nowhere. Yep. Down the back, up the stairs. Down the back, up the stairs, mate. 
the new girls. Yeah. yeah. We're on vacation. We should be on a beach somewhere. We have sunshine and booze in a box. Let's put up with it for a few weeks, make some cash. It'll toughen us up. Right. Gold is for a coal gold. Red is Redlands. Honey's in his hand. You get him a beer. Why'd you want to come all the way out here? It was the furthest away. I really like it. I really love the sound of it. The trailer looks great. It's uh, the trailer I saw. It had a kind of um, coyote ugly vibes to it at points. Yeah, I could see how you could spin that in the marketing, but it is about uh, the bleakness. It's about the intimidation and the threats. It's how much of this is in their hands. It's how much of this is down to a misinterpretation. How much of this is culture clash. Ooh. It's really something. Now, I actually think this is a much stronger movie than The Assistant was. And I know I'm going to be in the minority on that one because everyone couldn't wait to fall over themselves to kiss The Assistant's ass a couple of years ago. Uh, but I think this is a much stronger movie. Um, Julia Garnett very good in it. Henwick though, really love Henwick in this. And I'm, I, you know, I, I bought stock in Jessica Henwick a few years back. If I'm being honest, so you know, my my my, my stake is invested, you know, well and truly in this one. Um, I think she's great in this. I, I really do. I think it's interesting seeing her again, like um, not Knives Out, Glass Onion. Sorry, um, like like when she was in Glass Onion. It's nice to see her doing something away from the action and the superhero kind of stuff. This is like a straw dog style tension fueled kind of uh, basically like a character thriller, for lack of a better term. There's, there's not really much in the way of of, of you know, action or violence, and it. it's not really that kind of film. It is about intimidation. It is about how that intimidation can manifest through seemingly innocuous things, through micro-expressions, through gestures, things like that, and the toll it very quickly takes on these two girls. And I think, the obviously, uh, you know, that's down to three big components more than anything. It's down to Kitty Green's writing, which she's co-written this with, thanks to Oscar Redding. It's down to her eye, and she's directed the hell out of this. Like, visually, this is really something. Takes in that environment, uses the isolation of its Australian outback setting really, really well well to kind of you know build on that paranoia to build on that tension to build on that you know that absolute imposition uh, but also again the performances that i think make this um this is do you remember broke down palace from the late 1990s oh the naming's about i couldn't tell you what it was though. that was uh who's the lady from homeland that my ex was really into claire danes uh, oh, yes, she played um, Juliet, Romeo and Juliet as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't forget, Claire, literally, with my ex, a spirit animal was bloody Claire Danes. Should, <laughs> should, have, should have been a warning sign. Um, it was Claire Danes <laughs> and Kate Beckinsale. They were in Broke Down Palace, and they were the, the two backpackers in Thailand who wound up in, like, busted for smuggling heroin. This had kind of tones of that at the time. I thought, I thought this, was good. this was kind of a sort of halfway part between, like, Broke Down Palace and Straw Dogs, for lack of a better term. But uh, I can see how in marketing you would spin this to something coyote ugly-ish, though, because there's, there's enough barroom stuff that you could maybe chop something together. But believe me, not the tone of this at all. Not in the slightest. Watch this one, you'd be gripping the armrests. Is there anything bad about it, if you had to really pick at it? Yes, and this is what I was getting to. Like I can say, I wish there was more of it. I don't think the film... It feels almost um, obligatory in how it deals with its 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 ultimate conclusion its ultimate sort of final movement does feel like the script kind of just ha the story just has to rush through it it has to get it done you think 
I feel like if you'd added another 20 minutes to this and played this out, and actually just drawn this out, there was real tension there that you were just leaving on the table. There was there was some real suspense that they could have mined out. You didn't have to change any of the events, just maybe the pacing of it. And I do feel like that final five to ten minutes is just, yeah, poof, we're done. You know, and I think that's a waste for a movie that's otherwise as good as this actually is. I was a big fan of the Royal Hotel. Although they do always say, leave your audience wanting more, and it, they've clearly done that to you. <laughs> they have indeed. They really have. They've definitely <laughs> left me wanting more. I don't know if it's going to be a third joint with uh, with Kitty Green and Julia Garner, but you know what? I, I'm I'm I'm, I'm you know, I'll, I'll buy stock in Julia Garner because I was a big fan of Inventing Anna, the Netflix show. Did you did you see that one? No, the, no, never saw that. She, she was the sort of fake heiress, the one who like ran up hundreds of thousands of dollars in bills and things, but like she was presented as being this like ultra rich, like old money style heiress. Um, that's that's worth. I saw a, t- a, clip, a clip on TikTok actually earlier. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's called Inventing Anna. What? It's a true story and it's awesome. And of course, it's it's a Shondaland you know joint. So I, you know, I'm in. Well, if you want to watch The Royal Hotel, you can because it is in cinemas from today. Okay, next then, let me take you back to your days of secondary school when it was all a race to lose your virginity. Well, that's what our next movie is all about. It's called Bottoms, and we'll see what Van thought about it in just a second. Hello and welcome back to Off Screen. Let's uh, dive straight into our next movie then. So, Bottoms. Um, talk to me about Bottoms. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I know people might not be able to see this if you're just listening to the podcast edition, but I just love the way you just lent in, looked me in the eyes, and just stone cold asked me, Tell me about Bottoms. It's just. I mean, I'm talking about that in therapy this week because that was a moment. <laughs> <laughs> you probably need more therapy because of it, but you know. Yeah. Uh, he asked me to talk about bottoms, so then he touched me inappropriate. Uh, right. So, new movie from uh, Emma Seligman, who has co written this uh, with one of the leads, uh, Rachel Senna. Rachel Senna, I think I mostly know from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies with Pete Davidson a couple of years ago. Um, they started in Shiver, uh, they made Shiver Baby uh, together as well, I think, in, in the interim. And this stars uh, Rachel Senna alongside Io Eddie Beery, I think her name is, as a fa- think super bad. Think, think the tone of something like Super Bad or Booksmart, but with more of the style of something like Mean Girls, like more in the day to day, passage of time, think like Mean Girls. You've got two sort of deeply unpopular gay teenage best friends played by Senate and uh, Eddie Beery. And they, in response to uh, a number of violent incidents at their school involving, like, you know, toxic masculinity, they form a fight club. As as they say, they, they literally form a fight club. Only they're not really in it for the, the protection of, you know, their, their, their fellow schoolmates, their fellow, you know, their fellow school uh, female schoolmates. They're in it to get laid. They're literally using this fight club, which is what they call us. I don't know why they call it that. It's a self-defense class, but they call it fight club, which does suggest that they really never saw the movie Fight Club, if we're being honest. <laughs> I was going to ask what what a fight club is in the States, but okay, that's yeah, that one. I mean, you, you and I, no, you and I, if we were setting up a fight club, we'd just get in a room and smack the seven bells out of one another. That's, that's a fight club, right? 
Yeah. And then yeah. you then you then you lose your mind. You start watching a lot of Zack Snyder movies and you shave your head. That's 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 how you do a fight club. Um yeah, no, they're doing self-defense. Anyway, so the whole thing is they're doing this just to get laid, and this of course brings them into wider conflicts with all of the, the various cliques and uh, and subplots that go on in a seemingly otherwise perfectly average high school. Have a listen. Hey, Brittany! PJ, I am loving all the holes in your pants. Thanks. You look like a little Dutch boy. Thank you. So, Brit, can I call you Brit? I'd prefer if you just called me my name. Brittany. Um, no, not that. Brittany, are you thinking of running a Ferris wheel at all tonight? I wasn't. I'm going on the Puke and Duke. I need a pull trick. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. I'm gonna say something crazy. I think you can eat food, digest it, let it marinate, poop it out. Mm, gross. So. Is this a comedy as well, then? Or, or is this quite serious? I'm, I'm no, 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 this is... I mean, it's a comedy. I mean, it's a comedy in... in it's, it's about serious as Mean Girls, in that it is a comedy, but it has genuine heart and soul behind right, it. Right, OK. I would put this as a triple bill with uh, Superbad and Booksmart. Like, I, I genuinely... It doesn't have the same kind of format, but it has a very similar tone, uh, if you can hear that from the clip at all there. And, um, I mean, Senate does good babbling, and uh, Eddie Beery gives good Michael Sarah, for lack of a better term. Also, I'm going to make you feel really old now and tell you oh, that in no. this movie, there is a retro needle drop, right? Brace yourself for what constitutes a retro needle drop in 2023, because I'm going to tell you that it is a, it's a song that is exactly 20 years old, that I'm sure means the same to you as it did to me, and that is Avril Lavigne's Complicated. That no. is a retro needle drop now, my friend. Yeah. Retro? I know, right? But she looks the same now as she did then, so how can that be true? Um, first of all, first of all, wind your neck in. I think you will find that Ms. Levine has only gotten more gorgeous with the past. Well, that day. as well. But, yeah. <laughs> wow, okay, but, that's uh, yeah. shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. I had a really good time with this. There's a great little appearance from uh, Punky Johnson from Saturday Night Live uh, as well. It's not really one that's got like big name cast members in it. There's no, there's not like, you know, there's no Alison Janey turning up to play one of the parents or anything like that. It's not really that kind of film. It's largely an unknown cast. Um, I think Elizabeth Banks has a hand in producing it as well. So she's on there as a, as a producer. She's kind of shepherd of this, uh, to the screen. I think its biggest success is in its writing. And I think uh, when you've got like one of your central, one of your leads, you know, doing that, and obviously she's got the kind of the, the Jonah Hill, uh, Bernie Feldstein kind of part in this. She's the, the more obnoxious character. Um, I think having their hand in the script helps this immeasurably. I thought there was... Um, there was a lot of heart and soul in this that I, I found worked really well, and I thought it took its place rather quickly um, in the pantheon of really good, I think, important teen movies. You know, those great coming-of-age comedies that you know work for your generation when you are that age. Like I had, for instance, American Pie and Can't Hardly Wait. You know, those are my kind of go-to ones. I mean, you, you probably would have had the, the same in your teen. What were your teen comedies when you were a teen? Definitely American Pie number one. In fact, that was already in my head. I was about to say to you, I feel like we need another American Pie. Right, I'm going to give you, right, dollars to donuts. Next year is the 25th anniversary of the first American Pie, okay? I'm hosting a screening of it because I'm specifically designing, using 3D printing. I'm actually designing myself a a, a pie codpiece that I can wear for when I'm doing the intro. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know things about that, but... One thing I will say, it's part of that as part of that 25th anniversary, I guarantee you 
that they at least announce a new American Pie movie, and I've got Folding Money says it's American Funeral. Oh. They'll do American Funeral. And given that given that Jennifer Coolidge is now the most popular thing in the universe, I feel like they'll kill her off and just have loads of like archival, newly recorded, quote-unquote, archival footage of her. That's my prediction for that. Anyway, that's beside I the point. I hope you're right. Yeah, that's beside the point. We, we will get Stifler back. Um, bottoms. Sorry, let's talk about Bottoms, as we were saying. Mm. Um, I think this is really good. I think this is really, really good. And I think if you liked Booksmart, a couple of years ago, you have to see this. I think, as well as it's actually, and this is this is uh, something that I really think we should give it some props for. It's nice to see this level of LGBT representation, like yeah, done yeah, in yeah. the most. Cause this doesn't feel, and it's not pre, it's not in any way like a preachy thing. I think it's just like a, a pretty standard teen comedy that just so happens to be about two gay teenage girls. I thought, that's actually really good. You don't even think about it after a minute, but just like, oh, actually, yeah, that's that's actually really significant, and we should give this more, you know, more praise for that, because they've, they've managed to wheel this out. And I think give quite a broadly accessible angle to its comedy as well. Like, I don't think this is gender exclusionary or, or anything like that. I think it works across the board. So that's called Bottoms. Bottoms to go use the uh, the Rowan Atkinson, um, <laughs> the Rowan Atkinson of it. I've just uh, seen bottoms. it's the same producers as Pitch Perfect and Cocaine Bear as well. Well, that's Elizabeth Banks. Oh yeah, yes, of course. Yeah, because yeah, Elizabeth Banks, you know, went from acting to directing with I think it was Pitch Perfect two. So she's right, in Pitch yes. Perfect one, had produced it, I think, had produced it, yeah. written it, and then went into directing with the second one, and then became an overnight directing success. And nobody showed up for Charlie's Angels. So yeah, that's why it's pretty good then, I guess. Bottoms. I'm still, um, I'm, I'm still, I'm still bitter about that that version of Charlie's <laughs> Angels. I'm not going to lie. How do you, how do you waste Naomi Scott? You know, an Ella Valinska in a movie. I mean, my God. Anyway, sorry. Oh, sleepless nights for Van now for the next week, unfortunately. Indeed, but indeed. Bottoms is out in cinemas. From... You just like saying bottoms, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do, actually. I was actually trying to think of a way of saying bottoms up, but I, I can't fit it in <laughs> anywhere. So bottoms is in cinemas from today. Um, get next your then. bottoms to the cinema. <laughs> yeah, there, you go. there you go. Get your bottoms up the steps into the cinema. Um, Friday, uh, sorry, Five Nights at Freddy's. Not Friday's night. Friday Night at Freddy's. That's a different one. We'll see what Five Night at Freddy's was like when uh, we chat to Van about it next. Stay there. Hello and welcome back to the show then. Uh, we're going to talk about Pain Hustlers in a moment, which you don't need to leave your house to watch if you like what it sounds like. But right now, Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, I'm not 100% certain on this, but is this fully animated or partly no. animated or no. not animated at all? No, it's live action. Live action. Um, I, I can see where you're coming from because this is based on a PlayStation game. Right. This is this is based on, do you know, do you know the game series? Yes, yeah, yeah. You are you are aware of them. So for those who aren't really you know, in on the know on this one, Five Nights at Freddy's revolves is a series of video games that centre around a pizza restaurant called Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. I think it is. That's basically Chuck E. Cheese. You know, it's like you, you go for like kids parties and things, and there's animatronic uh, sort of bear bears that you know have a band that play instruments and things. And at night they come to life and murder people. That's the plot of Five Nights at Freddy's. Now, if you're thinking, hang on a minute, I've seen this movie, 
and it starred Nicolas Cage. You're exactly right. You have seen this movie, and it did star Nicolas Cage, but it wasn't called Five Nights at Freddy's. It was called Willy's Wonderland. And spoiler alert, it was a damn sight better than Five Nights at Freddy's. So, oh. just I'm going to save you eight minutes. Turn this off now. Just go and stick Willy's Wonderland on. Enjoy the next 90 minutes of your life. Don't ever bother with Five Nights at Freddy's. The end. See you next week. I'm kidding. No, no. Um... <laughs> Right, so it's not that bad, it's not that bad. It's pretty bad, it's not that bad. So this stars uh, Josh Hutchison from the Hunger Games series uh, alongside uh, Elizabeth Lale, who most people remember as Beck from the first season of You. Now, I am aware that most people have this hashtag Beck is the worst thing. Yes, Beck was the worst, but hot damn if I couldn't watch Elizabeth Lale read the phone book. You know, just one of those things. Anyway, so... Josh Hutchison is the down-on-his-luck uh, you know, young man who's trying to care for his, his younger sister, who's you know, the legal guardian for, uh, try and make ends meet, gets fired from job after job, takes a new temp job as the security guard at, guess where? Freddy Fassbender's Pizza. Goes to do his shift and very quickly discovers that, guess what? The, anim- the animatronic you know, uh, characters are, in fact, alive. Elizabeth Lale plays the, the local police officer who stops by every night, like, on her beat, doing the rounds. And uh, before you know it, Josh is bringing his younger sister into the mix because he needs to look after her through the night while he's working his night shifts. And she starts to uncover the mystery behind what's really going on at Freddy's. Have a listen. All you have to do is keep your eyes on the monitor. Welcome to Freddy Fazbear's, where fantasy and fun come to life. Okay. You must be a new security guard. Can I uh, help you, officer? Have you met them yet? Met who? Them. I'm definitely getting Squid Game stroke Saw vibes to this. I mean, like I say, it's it's made by Blumhouse, first of all. So it's kind of a relatively, you know, cheap budget thing. It's Blumhouse's first uh, adaptation of a video game, actually. And I would I have got a list of horror-themed video games I would love to forward on to Blumhouse for them to have a look at after this. Because I don't think the fault is is Blumhouse's in the film. I think the fault is really in the material. Um, it just doesn't work as a film. There's not enough there to make a film out of this, unless you go down the gleefully schlocky route. And of course, Willy's Wonderland beat them to that. You're not going to, you're not going to top a version of this that has Nicolas Cage. It's just not going to bloody happen. Like, just give up. As far as I'm, you should have shut down production the second anybody saw a trailer for Willy's Wonderland because there was just no point making. This is not a dread versus the raid scenario. This is a knife to a gunfight scenario, is what this is. Um, Hutchison is Hutchison. He's just like I mean, he may as well be he may as well be AI generated for how much charisma he brings to anything. Like he's just an AI avatar of an actor at this stage. Pretty much the same goes for Elizabeth Lale, who I'm watching like through this movie, thinking I I fancy her, but there's really nothing else that she's bringing to this. And then Matthew Lillard turns up here and there to just remind you that <laughs> you could be watching Scooby-Doo in 2002 right now, but you're not. I bet you wish you were, though. But you're not. And that's what happens every time Matthew Lillard turns up. I just keep thinking, 
Why am I not high watching 2002 Scooby-Doo right now? That would be so much more better use of my time. Um, this doesn't work. It's convoluted. It's needlessly bloated. The stuff about Hutchison and the sister, for instance, just takes up such a needless percentage of the focus and runtime of this. Like, you're watching this horror game adaptation, and you're thinking, why the hell have I just spent 20 minutes watching a movie about your custody case, man? Like, what? Like, what? I mean, Willy's Wonderland, they had to be in the place fighting the monsters in like two minutes in Willy's Wonderland. It was great. And they marketed a really cool t-shirt out of it as well, which I still need to buy. But this just does not work. Uh, then when you get to its big reveals as well, you just like, I don't care. What? Why have it? Just make them murderers. What's wrong with you? Why have you complicated this? Just... Have them be... What? It's a PlayStation game. This ain't Shakespeare. And that's the, the central core running through all of this. It feels like everybody involved was too embarrassed to simply say, look, it's a video game. No one's expecting the world from this. Like, people are too embarrassed to say that. And they've just overloaded it with fluff. Its reveals don't work. It's it's you know it's grand stuff. It just doesn't work. None of it works. And in the end, you're watching this AI avatar of an actor who you know also happens to have you know filmography that includes The Hunger Games do a custody battle. Why do I care? Answer: I don't. And you know, solution: watch Willy's Wonderland instead. I thought this was drivel, absolute drivel. I mean, it's got moments, but it's mostly drivel. I was going to say, could you name one positive thing out of this movie, or is that really going to be taking it too far? Matthew Lillard is the positive thing in this movie. It's nice to be reminded that Matthew Lillard exists and is still acting. Because I do think that the movie, the film industry did Matthew Lillard dirty like 20 years ago. Matthew Lillard should be like an established award-winning character actor by now. And I'm glad that he is actually starting to get so on TV. Also, please put Elizabeth Lale in more slash better movies. Like, please. I know that hashtag Beck is the worst, but, you know, love wasn't much better, let's be honest. And I say that having not finished the third season of You. Don't don't at me. So would you say that this... Does it have any sort of graphic right. gore and stuff like that in it? or is it I just will say this as it? well. It is actually rated quite low. It's quite a low-rated film. It's a PG-13. Yeah, it's a fif- uh, oh, it's the 15, 15 in the... I think it's 15 in the UK. It's PG-13 in the US. So it's kind of a soft 15. And the thing about that is the majority of its fan base are... To use my friend Con as an example, he's 15. My, my, my mate's son Con, he's 15. And, you know, obviously thinks he knows everything in the world because he's 15. And uh, he was dying to see this. He was he was really like overjoyed to see this, and he came out loving it. And I've known other teenagers who have seen it come away and see a very very different film to me. They were really honest. And I think it skews younger. I think if you know and enjoy your horror films, particularly if you've seen Willy's Wonderland, <laughs> you know this you're going to be a bit too jaded for this. I think this does need the fandom. I think the fans do seem to be lapping it up. I'm not a fan of the games. I don't really know the games. I know them as a concept. In the same way that I know the Grand Theft Auto games. I've played them once or twice, but I don't really know the ins and outs of them. You know, I don't know where Vice City is or you know, San Andreas or any of that nonsense. But I do remember, you know, driving over Harry Krishna monks on the PC in nineteen ninety eight. You know, I remember that. But yeah. So I think the fans are gonna lap this up. No I'm surprised as well, there's not much of a soundtrack 
to this. Oh, the Banana Splits movie has been compared to this quite a bit as well, which took a, a sort of children's brand and applied it to a slasher formula. But again, better movie than this. Well, you can make your own mind up if you wish. Five Nights at Freddy's is in cinemas from today. Right, one last ride, and we're going to look at Pain Hustlers in uh, in just a second. Quite looking forward to this because I'm quite a fan of Emily Blunt. So stay there. We'll see what Van thought. Hello and welcome back to the show then. Uh, final movie to talk about that Van has already seen and that is Pain Hustlers. As I just mentioned, this has got Emily Blunt in it. I'm kind of hoping Emily Blunt isn't just playing Emily Blunt. Well, I mean, I suppose actually technically she really is. I mean, there is only kind of one outside of Edge of Tomorrow or uh, Devil Wears Prada. Uh, God, now I want to watch Edge of Tomorrow again. Now that I've remembered <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow, cheers for that, pal. Yeah, I, I, I've been like it's been like a whole month since I watched Edge of Tomorrow. I don't know if I rewatched that over and over. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Right, new movie from David Yates. Okay, mark this in your calendars because David Yates has worked on something that does not involve J.K. Rowling. So you know that that's a rarity. I think the only other thing that I can remember David Yates being associated with in the last twenty years that wasn't Harry Potter related was the twenty sixteen Alexander Skarsgård Margot Robbie version of the Legend of Tarzan. So that's the only other thing I can think of. And to be fair, that movie not great. This better. This is based on a true story. In turn, became an article. In turn, became uh, a best-selling non-fiction book, and it is the story of. Uh, I mean, going with the title, pain, uh, pain hustlers. So Emily Blunt is the sort of Erin Brockovich-style struggling single mum who just needs a job. Gets a job when she encounters a pharmaceutical rep in her strip club one night, played by Chris Evans, a.k.a. Captain America, who's in full, like, Gyllenhaal sleaze mode here. It has to be said, he's kind of, he, he looks weirdly like Doctor Strange with the haircut and the goatee that he's got in this. It's kind of odd. There's something very come about as Doctor Strange about. Anyway, he offers her a job. All of this really happened, by the way. Uh, fakes her resume and gets her assigned as effectively the head sales executive for his pharmaceutical company, which is launching this new miracle pain drug for cancer patients. She very quickly discovers something's not quite right about all this, and wouldn't you know it, the pharmaceutical industry, Big Pharma, is evil. And she sets out to effectively whistleblow and reform the system. Have a listen to this. Uh, Pete should have told you, we're under a hiring freeze. Yeah, well, go tell Dr. Neil she's his hire. Uh, Pay seven six zero. You cover your own travel. You got one week. One week to what? Invent a doctor. Invent a doctor. What does that mean? Get a doctor to prescribe your drug. Just one script. And if I don't? And you're fired. Great. So zero job securities. It's commissions that get you into paradise. You know what we bill on a full dose script? What? Forty grand. A year? A month. You're saying I can commission forty eight grand a year on one patient? Or half a mil on ten. Is that real? It's up to you. You eat what you kill. I'm well into this because mm. I've watched numerous documentaries about the, the real life, what happened yeah. here. It's this, this is Xanax, <clears throat> isn't it? 
Zana, I think there's Zana, I think there was Zana. But they, yeah, one of the the key figures in the in you know the emerging opioid crisis of the, of the sort of past decade in the U.S. And uh, this obviously does tie into very recent you know movements that we, you know with that with prosecutions and things that have gone down, and also the lenient sentences that have been been handed down in, in recent years as well. Um, the face of the evil corporation here is played by Andy Garcia, and uh, do you know what? You've got my money. Just all you had to say was, look, Andy Garcia is affected with the bad guy of this. Give us your money. And you can have it. You can have it. This very much plays in the same pond as as Aaron Brockovich, to be fair. That, that, that kind of a film. But it's got a bit of that nihilistic uh, fetishization of the, the sleazy, corrupt corporate types that to be honest, Goodfellas and The Wolf of Wall Street had like, it's not hard to envision a Scorsese version of this movie, to be fair. Unfortunately, it is not a Scorsese movie. It's nowhere near that good. However, it does have its moments. A lot of the fun comes from the zippy energy of Emily Blunt, who's not phoning this in. She commits hard to this. She's she's gone into this quite clearly with the mindset that this is her own Rockovich, and she earns it. Um, Chloe Coleman as her daughter, I quite liked uh, in there as well. I'm just have a look through the cast list here. Um, Catherine O'Hara. Obviously, riding high at the moment because of Shit's Greek, uh, will always be best remembered to the likes of you and I, I'm sure, equally as the mum in Home Alone. Um, she gets to play uh, Emily Blunt's mum in this and, uh, and and kind of play that the disheveled kind of rock star mum kind of turn, the, the not quite got it all together older mum and it works very very well the story i found fascinating i didn't know it it is quite a gripping story it will work if you're if you've recently enjoyed for instance the amanda seyfried uh, uh what was it amanda seyfried Disney, the dropout the dropout which she played elizabeth holmes which is brilliant i really loved that um if you like that check this out if you're a fan of inventing anna check this out a lot of the um the dot com and Silicon Valley type dramas that we've had in the last couple of years as well. Think, for instance, of the Uber doc, uh, Super Pumped. Think of the WeWork one with Jared Leto. Uh, I think recently about Blackberry, for instance, which obviously we said recently is being re-edited into a, a TV uh, run now as well. This works very much in that wheelhouse, and I think will go down well. This is streaming on Netflix as well, so this is not even theatrical. This is on Netflix now. Um, not a brilliant turn for Chris Evans. I don't think he gets an awful lot really to do. And it's, you know, what the little he has is nothing we haven't seen him do better, for instance, in particular in Knives Out, where he's kind of the sleazy type, you know, the sleazy rich guy. But I wasn't bored for one second. I very much enjoyed this. Uh, I, I kind of got with the whimsy of it. And it, as I say, it played in that pool of things like War Dogs. This, this, this tickled that, that, that War Dogs, that ticked that War Dogs box for me. And that's a film I'm very fond of. You're playing in the same pool, you know, I'm invested. It's Scott style. There is some slickness to it. It's a little bit uh, kind of true to formula if you kind of know these stories, but enjoyable one all the same. I was about to say, with it being a real life, a true story, did they embellish a lot of it just to make it into something a bit bigger than it is? Or do you feel that it actually is true to the real I've story? I've not... You know me. Ordinarily, I would have gone and read the original article by now. Like, I always love tracking down, like, the original Rolling Stone article for, like, War Dogs and things like that, so, which still has my favourite name for one of these articles ever, which was Arms and the Dudes. Is the original <laughs> title of... That's the original title of the article that War Dogs came from. Um, oh, there was Hustlers as well was one of those. I, I would imagine there's got to be liberties taken. 
But it, yeah. to be honest, it seems it seems pretty kind of bang on the money. The only complaint I really have about the film is maybe it's a smidge over long at two hours two. But for yeah. a Netflix movie, that's basically charitable on its runtime. You know, you're never going to get a film shorter than two hours on Netflix. It's nothing there. No, and it's fine if you're at home because you can pause it and go for a week. Yeah, you can go for a cup of yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, well, I like that. I really do. And like I said to you, I've watched like at least three documentaries on Netflix all about the whole um, sort the of situation. Thing, that, yeah. yeah, the opioid thing. And it's still going on now in the States, as you know. Um, so this is going to be something I'm definitely going to watch over the weekend. Pain Hustlers. And you don't even have to leave your seat because it's on in on Netflix from today, right now, if you want to go watch it. Um, okay, let's talk about a few of the uh, movies we're going to look at next week then, Van. So, yeah, next week we are going to be talking about uh, The Eternal Memory and Anatomy of a Fall, neither of which I know an awful lot about because the other two movies we're going to talk about next week kind of just, they're they're shiny things and they distract me from the others. So, the first one is a new A24 movie starring Nicholas Bloody Cage. Yes. Yeah. Now, tell me if this strikes you as the perfect concept for a movie. Everybody in the world starts dreaming about Nicholas Cage. That's the movie. About the real Nicolas Cage or no, about no, a fictitious about, character? About just a fictitious character played by Nicolas Cage. He just starts turning up in everyone's dreams one day and he has no <laughs> idea why. That's the movie. It's called Dream Scenario. It's literally my friend Chris Wilson's actual dream scenario. So, you know, we've got that to look forward to next week. Alongside the return of the MCU. We're going yeah. back to the Marvel verse, baby. The Marvels is next week, which means Captain Marvel is here, which means Ms. Marvel is here, which means Photon is here. I think she's called Photon. And of course, Nick Fury and Goose are back as well. So we are going, we, I mean, full blown MCU girl power next week. I can't wait. Yeah, there's some really good ones to look at. I'm looking forward to those as well. Okay, well, that is all we've got time for this week on Off Screen. Um, we shall return next week, of course. Until then, I've been Adam Ball. I've been Van Connor, and as you keep saying every week now, we shall return. <laughs>